Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Courtside Soundoff Podcast today. I'm Josh Shevinoff. He is the one and only Angel Ortega. Another huge week here on the show. Very MMA and boxing-centric. Let's go ahead and break into it. Before we do, though, I'll talk to you guys about Rogue Energy. Rogue Energy was founded in January 2017 to be the best gaming drink in the world. They love the premium stack of the former delicious energy and focus drink. It's designed to replace unholy candy drinks, coffee, and even traditional pre-workouts. Rogue Energy is sugar-free and is loaded with vitamins, antioxidants, and nootropics. They designed Rogue Energy for the emerging professional competitive gaming market. It continues to have fantastic kickover and success as students, athletes, entrepreneurs, and anyone looking to optimize their mental and physical performance. If you want 10% off your order, use the code SADOFF at checkout. It's code SADOFF at checkout for 10% off of all your energy needs. Last Saturday night, from the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas, Derek Lewis's homecoming angel, a man that you've hyped up a lot on this show. You're, you're his number one fan, man. Uh, it, it didn't go well, though. Uh, in fact, it was – I pretty much called it to a T. He dominated him. He kept him a second – he kept him gay, guessing the entire fight. Uh, he wore him down, and he finished him in the third round with a huge flurry. Let me there's, – there's there's a lot of layers to this fight. Uh, but what do you – just give me your instant reaction to the fight Saturday night and kind of what you thought about it as far as his performance and also Derek Lewis's performance kind of uh, not really showing up under the bright lights. You know, and we talked about it, you know, each, you know, we said it's it's never been more clear cut about how a fight's going to go. It's going to go either over this way or that way. And look, and it went the way for Sora, right? He came on, he, he, he had, you know, the, he was working, he was working, 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 pressuring, working until eventually he was able to find his spots and then kind of piled it on on Derek. Got into some wild exchanges there. Obviously, he kept the control. It was controlled chaos out of him until eventually, obviously, he found himself in the finish. Derek having the hardest of time trying to touch him, get in on him, even try to barrage him. So very well aware I cannot get touched circling out, you know, very well as, as he should be. You know, obviously he, he's, he was well aware of the power and he didn't want to experience any of that. Obviously lacking out of Derek. Uh, you know, like you said, in front of the bright lights, it seemed like he, he wasn't able to show up. Didn't didn't take too well to, to the damage against the cage and ended up getting a finish there at the end. And, uh, you know, like like we said, it was going to go one of the two ways, and this is the way it just ended up going. Mm. Yeah, man. And look, there's there's a whole lot to say about this fight, um, but I think the biggest thing is more or less. I don't think it's necessarily that Derek Luce did not show up. I saw him taking honestly a lot of shit online, and uh, it's not necessarily his. I mean, look, it is so hard to fight Cyril Gone. There are very few guys who have done it well in any capacity volkov did it okay but that's because volkov has a lot of good attributes in his own right he's very good at fighting at range yarzino did fine in the way that he didn't get finished but even then he was lewis-esque in terms that he was just getting tagged all night and getting worn down you know tanner Bowser had a really awkward movement he had a little bit of success you know but even then he still got dominated especially near the end um Derek lewis man he's a guy that has low output normally but this is just doubly so he had to get off first in this fight. He couldn't sit back and let Gon just do what he did. If he sat back, there was no chance of him coming back. He had to give him something early, uh, and he didn't, man. He just got dominated. He was on the back foot for all three rounds, and he just warmed down and got the finish. And in look, man, uh, it was such a good performance to Gon, and it was one of the most lopsided title fights I've seen in a long time. Uh, Angel, my man, him, he, he played Matador on Saturday. Um, did this fight change your perception at all about how potential fight with Francis Ngannou may go? And actually, as far as that goes, how do you think a potential fight between Cyril and Ngannou would go if it happened today? I, I don't know. I don't have like a clear image on it. You know, the, the, the one crazy factor in this is obviously the fact that at one point they were teammates. And like we say, the, the guys who, who were in the gym, right? And then the opposite themselves, because obviously they work with each other, know very well, uh, you know, what, what's going on, right? They know who's winning them, you know, the grappling exchanges. They know who's beating them on the stand-up. You know, we, they know they're getting outworked by 
whoever, right? They they're all well aware of this. And uh, you know, from the little bit I've seen on Twitter from uh, Francis, obviously he congratulated him, but he did talk kind of I wouldn't say down to him, but he definitely talked to Stro in a way that like he was obviously the like he was his little bro and he was his big bro kind of. Mm-hmm. And and that kind of makes me think may, maybe maybe Francis was winning that. And like I, like the big thing that I mentioned because uh, that night you had mentioned that there was footage of Stro and him. Uh, doing some sparring work and how Sterl was doing good. But at the end of the day, something I heard someone say is you never know what round that was. You know, you don't know what drill they were running specifically. You don't know if uh, that's Francis getting ready for his fight and Sterl was having to play a role and fight a certain mm-hmm. way or whatever it may be, right? Uh, because the Francis of then isn't the Francis of now and the Sterl of then isn't the Sterl of now, which is something that we all need to be aware of. You know, they've all developed. They've gotten better, obviously, I mean, we've seen in, in that Stipe fight, we saw that growth. We tried to go to Stipe, you know, he went around and it, it, it took Stipe's back a little bit right there and started, you know, positioning himself. I mean, that was a that was a significant change from that first fight. You saw him throw some kicks that, uh, you know, you didn't see very often. You don't very you don't see very often out of him, and and, and having some strike variation, giving him uh, options that obviously we were well aware of the powers. So that's always a fear too. Uh, Against Searle, I mean, we we've seen everything that he has. We we are we're aware of the mobility. We're about we're aware of the with the versatile style. I I don't know. I don't have a clear cut image of how the fight would go. Obviously, I know that mm. Searle would obviously stay out of his range constantly and just be in and out, in and out, in and out. Try to just outwork him, outwork him, tire him out. Never getting any crazy exchange. Play it safe. Obviously, Francis would have to hunt his shot. I think he would have to be really patient. Uh, obviously, work, you know, add strike variation, get get some leg kicks in there, maybe clinch against the cage. Obviously, be very, uh, very of his of his cardio, and but obviously not not overcommit ever, because he knows if he overcommits, he'll get tired, and and then obviously throw will work, work and work on him. So I imagine that's how the fight would go as far as the outcome. I mean, I can't I can't give you a clear cut uh, mm-hmm. idea on that at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's fair enough, man. I mean, look, I, I know the betting odds came out, and I want to say Cyril was a very, very, very slight favorite. Like, yep, I heard that as well. Yeah, so, I mean, and as far as it goes, it's one of those few fights to where I, I legitimately have no idea. It's a, uh, I mean, we just talked about it recently on the show. It was like, I feel going to this fight, how I felt about, like, Dillashaw and Stan Hagen, for example, where I'm like, this can be a true coin flip. I have no idea who's going to win this. I have no idea who's going to win in Gone versus Gone, and that's a fucking good thing. Heavyweight has been such a stagnant division. And, and Angel, bro, we bitch about this. We bitch. We, we, this show has been going on long enough for the entire DC Stipe rivalry. Like, just us constantly complaining about how the the divisions grind to do a halt, how nothing happens. Um, and Not so happening it's, too quick. No, I'm scared. No, uh, in their interim title case, yeah, sure, it happened too quick. But um, now we have, like, a fight that, like, I feel like symbolizes so much, man. Like, it's truly, I feel like we're almost, I don't want to say we're in a golden age, because we're not. I don't think anything in terms of heavyweight will reach what, like, Pride 2003 World Grand Prix, like, Grand Prix Tournament. Nothing is going to reach that. But, you know, that that's peak. This is not peak. It's still pretty damn good. And it's probably, in terms of skills... And, and I'd hope people – I'm sure people are going to get offended about this. I think if we're talking pure skills at heavyweight, you can make a case that Ngana versus Gone is the greatest heavyweight title fight the UFC has ever done. Like – and it, that's partially because it's been a weak division, but that's also partially because that fight is fucking excellent. Um, I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, it's it's going to be incredible. And I do feel bad for Derek Lewis in this whole situation, man. I feel like it's really flown under the radar. This is a guy that's – he didn't have to take this fight. He did it because he wanted to fight in front of his home crowd at Houston. Um, he didn't need to take that. He could have waited a, another month or two and then fought Nganu for the actual belt, and he beat Nganu once before. Uh, so I, I feel bad for him in that capacity, but damn, dude, I'm very excited that now it's Tiro gone in his place in the next title fight against Nganu. Um, but, you know, as far as that goes, man, that was not only the only uh, impressive performance on Saturday night in the co-main event. Jose Aldo, man, turning back the clock. We, I mean, we've talked about this before. Him going down to bantamweight has almost completely revitalized his career. Uh, and it showed in space, dude. This was just... And I rewatched the fight earlier this week, because I'll be honest, Angel. I mean, you, we were hanging out. We weren't paying that much attention to the fights. I had to go back and rewatch a couple of these just to refresh my memory. Uh, dude, Aldo looked tremendous. 
Uh, he didn't throw out that many leg kicks like I love seeing from him, but dude, his body work is excellent. Um, even on the back foot, he was still lighting up Pedro Munoz. What do you think about Jose's performance on Saturday? And does it kind of give you like does it kind of give you the idea that potentially he could be champion at 135? You know, it, it's gonna be very hard. You know, regardless, and and, and anybody, right? It's gonna be very hard. You know, obviously there's there's stylistic matchups that you you know, I could say that uh, you know, not not necessarily with the current champ, but I'm just saying in in a different scenario or in a different fighter, you know, you could make a stylistic matchup, and I could say that you know a fighter could be successful with him. I wouldn't say that uh, right now, but I think uh, as far as his performance, uh, I mean, it was excellent, man. It was excellent. It looked great. It, it's like I said, man. I said it in the in the last podcast. He's still Jose Aldo. It was that simple. Jose Aldo showed up that night. Jose Aldo looked like Jose Aldo of old. You know, like you said, there wasn't a lot of leg kicks early on. But you saw in that third round when she started throwing out the leg kicks. You saw how the fight changed. You saw how much he started putting out more. You saw how much output he had, how much dangerous he got. It was actually insane how much more difficult it got for his opponent and how good he looked. And how and imagine if it would have been like that from round one. I mean, it would have been a dominant performance, like a an extremely dominant performance. If he would have done that from the start of the round, from round one to round three, man, he would look amazing. Granted, though, like I said, I've talked about how there might be some medical reason why it's a, a less now, but it, it was still amazing. It was still great to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, and he just he just looks so phenomenal. And I got to be honest with you, man, I uh, there's so many fun matchups for Jose right now. Like Bantamweight, I'm sure he's still hunting for the belt. Like I said, I mean, he, oh, yeah. he gave Piotr Jan the toughest fight of his career. Yes, I'm very well aware that, like, Technically, Jimmy Rivera did good, and technically, Al Jermaine had two rounds to one whenever the fight ended, or whatever the fuck. I don't care. Jose did better than those guys. He looked phenomenal. Like, he was one or two mistakes away from, like, being up on the card. You know what I mean? Like, he was one or two mistakes away from not having made mistakes, being up on the cards going into the final round. Like, those rounds that Peter Yon won, won by the slimmest of margins. And the rounds of Jose won, done by the slimmest of margins. It was such a close fight down the stretch until near the end of round four, early round five. So I'm sure he's hunting for the belt, but dude. That's two in a row. Me, yeah, you can't tell me, man. Dom Cruz, TJ Dillashaw, Sean O'Malley. There's so many fun fights you can make for this man right now. Hit, shit, I'll take Frankie Edgar Trilogy, dude. There's so many fights. Um, that would be awesome for Jose right now. Obviously, they're gonna have to sit down and figure all that out. I'm sh- I'm pretty sure didn't he mention that he wanted to fight TJ? I think he called that TJ. Yeah. So I mean, I don't think it's gonna happen. But it all who is he depends. more likely to fight? Do you think he'll fight Sanhagen or Rob Font? I'll lay it out there for you. He's gonna be straight up. Right I now. think he's more likely to fight. And here's the thing that sucks. I don't like either one of those matchups for him. I think those are bad matchups. Yeah. I think those are really bad matchups. I think that uh, Sanhagen's a lot better of a matchup for him. Um, I think Rob Font, pure boxing-wise, I think he might light up Jose. But that's just my opinion. Uh, I don't like either one of those matchups for him, though. I think uh, those are both winnable fights, though, for him. They're they're winnable, but in terms of, like, if you, if you were to, like, sit down and like, lay out, like, a couple of dudes across the division, that I'm like, oh, that's a bad matchup for Jose Aldo. It'd be some variation of Piotr, Corey Sandhagen, and Rob Font. I actually think he matches up really well against TJ. Yeah, and then against, and, and, and granted, TJ's older too, which also kind of helps him. Yeah, and they're in the rest. Yeah, and I think he matches up good against Dom Cruz and a bunch of a couple of other top dudes in that division. Um, but obviously, we're we're ways out from seeing that man. I think 135. I love it. It's it, in my opinion, it's probably the best division right now, um, in the UFC, especially just like top to bottom, dude. They just straight up killers. Like Sean O'Malley's not even ranked. That's insane to me. Like he's, and that he's one of many. They're just guys bantamly like, how the fuck is that guy not ranked? And then you look at the top 15, he's like, oh, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, but hopefully they get, I mean, Aljo, Piotr Jan, we, we got to have that fight happen. I know they mentioned it, it's going to happen in October, um, but that, that feels so long, man, just because this division is kind of out of stance. So, but regardless, we'll see what happens. Moving on down the card, man, Vincent De Luque, your boy, your boy, man, he did it. Uh, against Michael Chiesa in, in probably the most shocking fashion of all time. Yeah. Well, not of all time, but of the night, I'd say. It's probably the most shocking how this fight ended. Uh, Luka coming out, tagging Chiesa. Chiesa gets the takedown. Chiesa actually, I, be- did, I believe he had the back at one point. Um, he looked very, very good. And all of a sudden, Jose Luka, out of nowhere, seemingly, gets the Dars, gets a submission, 
And boom, Fitzsidney Luque might be your next challenger at 170 after <laughs> Colby Covington. Out of nowhere, bro. Uh, what do you think about that fight and just Luque keep continuing his climb up the ranks? Hey, man. I mean, that what a what a way to do it, right, too. A submission and uh, what is it, a statement, right? A statement for the division. And uh, uh, what is it, 11-1 now? And, and, you know, in his last 12 fights, it's mm-hmm. – uh, could could have could have been a streak if he had a fought Wonder Boy and didn't have the loss in there. But man, uh, it, you you saw my reaction. I mean, I did not expect it. It was it was uh, I was left in shock for sure. I was left in shock because I didn't expect a submission, and that's a that's the second submission win in a row because he, he submitted Woodley his last fight. Uh, it, it was just a it was just a big surprise to me because that that was not the way I thought it was going to go. Uh, once it went to the ground, I you you saw me there. I did get a little worried. I was like, oh, oh no, this was quick. <laughs> uh, but you know, not not you know, obviously not to take away a lot from his win. I, I do want to talk about Michael Kess a bit, man. Obviously, it sucks for him, man. It seemed like he had things figured out, but you know, uh, when you get to this level, man, you know, the, you know, you can't be always relying on on your one thing. You know, you need to be accomplished at all things. And you know, there there's a, uh, it was a. Uh, Kind of when we mentioned in, in uh, when we were talking about Bellator when uh, when Horiguchi fought, right? Mm-hmm. Where a lot of the guys say, you know, they they're like, yeah, I you know his wrestling's good, but I'm better at wrestling. You know, my wrestling's mm-hmm. better. Uh, you know, and, and it's not necessarily the same thing as Luke didn't talk about it. It was kind of the reverse where the guy coming in was saying it to the other guy. Like then you didn't necessarily mention, but it was kind of a known thing, right? Like unspoken thing. Like he was confident on that idea. Mm. And then, uh, but it, you know, just because Michael Kiesa's wrestling is so good doesn't mean Lucas Jiu Jitsu can't, you know, match it and, you know, combat him, right? And uh, it ended up, it ended, obviously, Kiesa thought it was going to be better, but when you're, like I said, when you're at this level, there's guys who are just as good as you, if not, are able to neutralize what you're able to do at this level, even if it's your best tool. Yeah. And look, man, this was such a good performance by Luke, but also. Damn, that is so devastating for Michael Chiesa, man. I truly believed that, like, he was the better guy going in, and I thought this was his time, and that's the thing, man. Especially to a division like 170 where it moves at a snail's pace, that's that sucks to lose that way just because it looked like he had the advantage on the ground. He looked like he was putting in work, and then, boom, Luke gets a dart out of nowhere. Um, as far as that goes, man, I mean, you mentioned you want to talk about Chiesa a little bit. Uh, where do you think he goes after this? Because this is such a this is a massive setback for a guy that was just blazing through the division. You know, I think I think he has options. Uh, obviously, Wonder Boy is coming off a loss to his teammate, or not to his teammate, to Gilbert, who is uh, Insante's teammate. I think that's obviously a potential matchup. I'll say Wonder Boy on the older side, and I have a little bit of more trouble getting that. Obviously, a hard stylistic matchup for uh, for Michael and. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, Wonder Boy has plenty of experience with with wrestlers, and you know he's been through the mill with them. And uh, this would just be another one. And I think if uh, I think Michael, that could be a good way for him to rebound. Obviously, another guy who I think is available is uh, Jeff Neal. Uh, and this is the guys from I'm, I'm talking about guys who are still ranked, guys he could fight who are mm-hmm. ranked. I don't know if he's going to necessarily fight someone who's not ranked. I think I think they should still keep him with a ranked opponent. Uh, Cause he's up there and, and and he's not far from it and he and he's a good guy he's he's a a likable guy he's easy to interview you know he he's he's very easy to uh, promote uh obviously he's not like the biggest draw or anything mm-hmm. like that but I think there's I think he has some options on guys who are still ranked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean there's definitely options there for him. At the end of the day, though, it is just it's pretty fucking devastating but um obviously he'll he'll be back i still think that he's a bad matcher for a lot of the guys in division he just he just got caught it happens uh, but moving on down the card dude tisha torres uh proving it was not a fluke against angela hill getting a nice decision win and dude she has had an, a very underrated career resurgence um i would say at one point it looked like she was going to be cut and to be fair it was about as rough as a stretch as you could possibly imagine. Andrade, Joanna, Jean Willy, and Marine Rodriguez. She's rebounded with three dominant wins, dude. This Angela Hill fight, obviously, I thought Angela came. She looked good down the stretch, but still, dude. Uh, in the end, Tisha Torres via unanimous decision. Uh, all three of just thought she won. Two of them gave her every single round. Uh, as far as that goes, what do you think about her performance and where she goes from here in that division? 
I mean, man, it, it was it was a good performance. It was obviously impressive. Obviously, she was she hit us with all y'all must have forgot, you know, a little bit mm-hmm. there. Not 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 necessarily to the to that extent, but uh, kind of just uh, showed you know why she beat her the first time and why she beat her again. Obviously, uh, you know, a, a sad loss for Angela Hill. Obviously, things recently, you know, on the judges' side before this, so I hadn't gone her way, and uh, obviously, if she would have won this fight, it would have been looking pretty good. Obviously, her tenth professional loss now, and. Uh, is a good girl she had fought before, and obviously in the rematches, that's that's you know just devastating and something messed. You know, even even though it might not seem like it, I'm sure it's messing with her mentally a little bit. Like, damn, I I should have had her this time, you know. And she she was really confident going into it, and she was on the main card. I mean, it was just a lot of things that you know I'm missing in her mind were probably going well, and then ended up just not going well in the octagon. But as far as Tisha Mena, good performance out of her. She looked great. She did her thing. Uh, the kicks were on point. And uh, obviously, she uh, her long string of combinations, I think, is what ended up helping her win the fight. And in, in the end, uh, you know, the, the right person won. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, I feel bad for Angela Hill because she's had such a a rough streak of very close fights. I mean, I, I mean honestly, I thought that the, her close fights that she lost, I thought she won. And that's that just set her back significantly in the division. And it's put her in a place that I don't think is fair. But at the end of the day, this is still a great performance of Tisha Torres. And she gave us the old, like you said, the old, y'all must have forgot. Uh, she came out, got the dub, and now she's moving up with the rankings. Ranked number nine, dude. And not that long ago, like I said, she was on the edge of being cut. Like this time last year, I mean, I guess it would have been a few months ago before that. But um, she was looking like she might get cut. And it seems like the UFC was kind of like putting her in that position because like she had lost four fights in a row. The matchup against Brianna Van Buren, who was a great prospect, who had won like four or five fights in a row. And after that, she ran through her and she just continued running through people. So Tisha Torres, great performance. Opening fight on the main card, Song Dong, Casey Kenny, battle of two guys trying to break into the top 15. This one, Song Dong getting the split decision. Uh, first of all, what do you think about the decision itself? Uh, what do you think about Songadon's potential moving forward in this division? Is still, like I said last week, still only 23 years old. I mean, he's really young. I mean, obviously he's really manageable uh, as far as his career, and you know, he's with a great team. Those guys out there, Team Alpha Male, they they put in work, and then especially in that division, all those guys, uh, you know, they uh, they've kind of developed these these smaller guys and made them better in this in this weight class throughout the years. I mean. You know, we, you know the names. You know that's you know Favor obviously and, and Joe B. You know these guys down here, they they, they do their work and they uh, do a very impressive job. And obviously they have a, you know they have two gym locations, one in Sacramento and then obviously they one in Japan. So you know shout out to them for always uh, looking out for the guys outside of the U.S. And I mean as far as the decision, man, I, you know I I don't I don't disagree with it without a doubt. Uh, I do think he won. It was close. But uh, I'm not going to get up in arms about it. We definitely had some uh, malicious judges' decisions in the past. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, like we say, judging is a, a big talk always on this podcast. We always bring up uh, judging and issues with judging. But, you know, at this point, it's just like beating a dead horse. Yeah. It is tough not to talk about, though. I thought this decision was fine. I had zero with it, issue with it. I thought Song Dong did good enough work uh, to get the dub. Overall, though, I think his potential moving forward – He's still young, but at the same time, he he's got to stop fighting with like he, he can't have keep on having these like super close fights and expect people to take him seriously. And that's not anything to knock him. Um, it's just like he keeps on having these decisions where people honestly think he lost. And I don't think it's necessarily fair because like it's just a perception. I thought that he's actually done really really well in some of these fights. Like I said, I just thought he won this one, but it's a bad look whenever every single one of your wins is via split decision or a controversial draw or so on and so forth. Uh, but even more on than that, man, um, looking down the card, what are some of the fight results that you kind of want to highlight? I mean, you could just go down one from that, Josh. I mean, Rafael Vizovic versus uh, Bobby Green. What mm-hmm. a fighter. I mean, good fight, good performance out of him. Obviously, uh, another guy at 155. You know, we always keep mentioning 155 in recent time about how how much potential there is outside of the, the rankings. And this is just one of those other guys who uh, who is one of those guys, you know, who's outside, who's just trying to climb in and is right, you know. And I think I mentioned it. We talked about it last week where we were like, I'm like, Josh, does he deserve a, a ranked opponent after this? And you said he already deserved one. I mean, now there's no question about it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, who do you think they could give him a 155 who's ranked right now? Kind of, you know, quick shot at it. I mean, if I were just taking like a quick – um, like a quick thing. I think probably 
mean, he's busted into the rankings at 14. Maybe Diego Fajera, but I'm not sure if Diego is still fighting at lightweight. He does uh, have a uh, he's scheduled with Grant Dawson for October. Okay, all right. Well, then I yeah, because I know he missed weight last time. Honestly, I hate matching up prospects, but I'll be damned if Armand Sarukian versus Rafael Fazeev does not. That's a banger. Get my blood boiling, bro. Like that sounds like an amazing fight. But I do um, think he also has an opponent. He, yeah, he just got booked against somebody, and I can't remember who. Christian Gallegos. Which is a really – that's a stupid fight, but whatever. Yeah, um, they could have given him someone – they could have given him, like, Drew Dober or someone like that. Yeah, th- th- that fight makes no sense. But uh, as far as Rafael, man, uh, the issue is – you know what would actually be interesting? Gregor Gillespie would actually be an interesting fight. See, that? that's good. You know, he's coming yeah, off a win. He lost his one before that, so yeah, that would be a good win. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Gregor's not booked either, so I would like to see that fight, honestly. Um, but, dude, can we talk about, like, the judging in this fight? Um, there was, was a controversy with that, wasn't there? There is a lot of controversy, and I don't think it was necessarily warranted. Uh, I I gave, in case you guys didn't watch, I gave, and it was pretty clear, Hafei Fazeev clearly took rounds one and two. I, mm-hmm. And... I, this is one of those fights, Andrew, that I had to go back and rewatch because we were pretty much just shooting the shit during it. But um, Fazeev, I thought he t- clearly took rounds one and two. Round three was a toss-up. And uh, obviously, apparently, there is a shitload of outrage that Bobby Green did not win round three. And one judge gave him round three. Like, so much so to where, like, the judge had to come out on Twitter and try and explain himself. And people were just, like fucking harassing the shit out of this guy and i thought it was i mean what did you think about the judging because i know i mean i'm sure you're aware of the controversy that people are really upset about this look my thing is i will never get really mad about it unless the guy who deserved the win didn't get the win obviously the right guy won i'm not going to get pissed about it. obviously you don't want the judging to be incorrect because in a scenario where it did go the wrong way that was the issue right but for me, for the right guy won, okay, it bothers me. We'll talk about it. Let's fix it going forward. But as long as the right guy won, I'm not worried. Mm. Yeah, and that's that's kind of my position. And, in fact, I saw something that was pretty he, – he's been getting – and he's actually what I appreciated. The judge who gave the 30-27 scorecard came out and gave an explanation. He gave, like, a, like a three-paragraph explanation. Like, hey, I saw this in round one and two. In round three, I saw this. Uh, so on and so forth. He gave an explanation. like – this is what people want from judges, right? Like, I've heard people like, oh, yeah, judges need to explain themselves. This guy explained himself, and he's still getting shit on. Like, even Big John McCarthy, who I respect the shit out of. I am not. I would never dare insult Big John. But even he was like, he told me, he gave him, like, this really weird thing about, like, get the fuck off Twitter, you dipshit, or something. Like, really oddly aggressive. I'm like, I'm glad the guy explained himself. Like, we should give give this guy, like, an example to actually, like, we can educate him to not make that mistake next time. But even then, round three was not some overly like dominant round for Bobby Green. It was a toss-up. But regardless, man, overall, still a fun fight. Uh, moving on down the card, what are some of the other fights you would like to highlight? Uh, I know it wasn't necessarily a fight that this person's going to want to remember, but Alonzo Menafield versus Ed Herman. I mean, performance for Alonzo Men- Good performance for Alonzo Menafield. I would say Ed Herman, different story. Uh Obviously, there was a, the whole situation where the doctor came in and looked at the leg, obviously let it go. God bless. And, uh, I mean, great performance about, uh, that's a, uh, for Alonzo, man. I talked about how I was like, this is rough for Ed Herman, but Ed Herman's a tough son of a bitch, man. Being tough doesn't win your fights, though, sadly. And uh, he's stuck in it, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sucked. But like I said, it was it was a tough tough fight for him like I said going in but he showed a lot of heart man he showed why he's an og of this game been around since 2006 um absolutely let me some ed herman but even moving down the card man jessica panay subbing carolina kokovich that that sucked that sucked man i feel so bad for carolina because carolina is one of those few people in the sport like here's like the harsh reality of mma angel and this is to anybody who may be listening who's like a casual mma fan you're just like us or whatever MMA, like, if you turn over rocks, you're going to find shit everywhere. Like, people are terrible. They're more terrible human beings in MMA to count. Karolina Kolkovich is not one of those people. You've never heard a single word say a bad thing about her. Um, and so this was her fi- fifth loss in a row. She's going to be cut. Uh, and that sucks, man. She was one of those pioneers of the 115 women's division. Um, so it sucks to see her go. But moving on down the card as well, Menel Cape defeating Ode Osborne. Fantastic finish, man. Fantastic finish. 
Uh, Miles Johns getting a nice knockout over Anderson Dos Santos and Angel. The curse. Every single fight, every single pay-per-view card since, I believe, uh, since they actually um, started allowing crowds again, there has been some sort of injury. Obviously, the most notable ones, Weidman breaking his leg, McGregor breaking his ankle, and this one flew under the radar, Victoria Leonardo breaking her arm on the uh, the opening prelim of the card, man. The curse. It's still going. Yeah, no, that's not good. No, it's not. But, yeah, it, it sucks, but she'll be back. I'm a big fan of Victoria Leonardo. Not sure why she's in the UFC. She's definitely not UFC caliber. Um, and that's coming from somebody who's watched her entire career up to this point. But, uh, hey, you Josh. Know, <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's not, it's not negative. I just think she needed some more seasoning down in Victor, or maybe in you know, a belt where I think she would have belonged better. Um, but at the end of the day, glad she's there. I hope she recovers. Um, as far as um, that goes, that's pretty much all there is to talk about UFC-wise this week. We'll, we'll talk about UFC near the end of the show, but for like five announcements. There is no card this week. Obviously, the next card is Canyonier versus Gaston. That one is going to be August 21st. Um, so we'll talk about that whenever that happens. But Angel Man, there is some MMA this week. Uh, it's just one, just kind of a bit of quick hitters on these. Um, PFL Seven, which is um, obviously probably one of the most notable PFL cards of the year, mainly because of the main matchup being Warren McDonald versus Ray Cooper the Third. That one's gonna be the main event on ESPN Two tomorrow night. Uh, and then also Bellator 264 going to be going against it. Gegard Mousasi versus John Salter and Andre Korshkov versus Sabahomasi. We'll go ahead and start on the PFL side of things. Man, what what can you say about that match with the main event, Roy McDonald, Ray Cooper? And also give us your quick rundown on the undercard, some of the fights to watch. I mean, dude, I, when it comes to the PFL, I mean, this is probably the best match they could probably make with their roster, right? It has to be. Mm-hmm. I, I can't think of any other fight that they can make uh, on with the guys in their roster that could be better than this. I'm sure there's guys who who come out and bang and do their thing, but I talk about name and, and obviously skills and everything kind of put together. I mean, this is kind of the matchup that I think you need to look forward to. I mean, and obviously it's it's leading into the tournament. You know, they're they're having their playoff. You know how that whole thing works, and obviously Rory McDonald coming off his uh, controversial loss against uh, Gleason Tebow. Uh, you know that's you know that's that's that really sucked for him. But man, as far as matchup, I mean, fucking banger, dude. And, they, and it's a crazy thing is Josh. Do you know these guys have the literal exact same record right now? They're both twenty. They have they both have twenty two wins. They both have seven losses. And they both have one draw. Mm-hmm. I mean that is uh, they're insane. Obviously Ray, young guy, twenty three, twenty eight years old. Obviously his father competed back in the day. Very different from his dad. A lot better than mm-hmm. his dad. But uh. A banger of a fight, and I don't know. Are you, are you really excited about it? Are you going to look forward to it? Are you going to check it out? I know we we kind of privately talk about PFL and you know Bellator sometimes. But we don't bring it up on the show, but I kind of want to get your thoughts on here. Yeah, man. I mean, like you said, there's not a whole lot to remark about it other than the fact that I think this is probably the best fight PFL could possibly put on. They really had the luck of the draw. Obviously, uh, Rory got robbed, but if he didn't get robbed, then we would not have this fight. Um, so it sucks in that capacity. It sucks for him, but goddamn, do I love me some Ray Cooper the Third? Ray Cooper the Third, for my money, has always been one of those guys that's very incomplete as a fighter. Um, his jiu-jitsu is not excellent. Um, he's very hittable at times. But I'll be goddamned if this man is not extremely, extremely entertaining and is the god gift of power on his side. Uh, and he's taking on Rory. Obviously, Rory is very, very past his prime in my opinion. He's—I'm not even sure if he's past physical prime. But he's taken so much damage to where it doesn't really matter. Um, he obviously beat Gleason Tebow. That's the worst decision of this year and probably one of the worst of all time, in my opinion. Um, so he shouldn't be in this fight, but I'm glad he is. It's going to be a banger of a fight, man. I'm very, very looking. I'm very much looking forward to it. But even then, dude, this card in general is a low-key banger. Daryl Horcher, Olivier Olbon Mossier down on the undercard. And ESPN Plus is going to be a straight-up banger. All right, we got Clay Collard on the main card against Roche Matfio. Uh, so there, there's a lot to love here, man. There's a, there's a whole lot of good fights in this card. There's a lot to there's a lot to look forward to, and there's a lot to look forward to, into the PFL. And obviously, as their season goes on, I feel like their fights get progressively better than when they're at the start of their season. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. That that's for sure, honestly. Um, but even then, moving on to like the Bellator side of things, and this fight actually I think 
we'll, we'll give our picks for obviously the main and co-main as we do for Bellator each time. Um, but I think like the main event co-main here, Bellator has that issue where like they'll they'll have an amazing main event and they'll have a low like a low key co-main something something smaller scale and this one you can argue so as well obviously um, one of these guys making his return after a long time off and Andre Korshkov Sabaho Masi's barely in the rankings but main and co-main dude has the violence potential up that the meter all the <laughs> way at 100 for this fight bro. Um, obviously, main event, Gegard did recapture his middleweight strap. Obviously, he did lose to Rafael uh, Lovato Jr. back in 2019, lost the strap. Turned right around, beat Lyoto, got the belt in a uh, vacant title fight because obviously Rafael had to vacate it, beat Douglas Lima. Bit of a snore fight, but in the end, he still got the dub, got the belt back. John Salter, very, very... He, he's an accomplished guy. You know what I mean? Like, he never... He, he kind of – he doesn't really knock the socks off anybody, which it's kind of crazy how long he's been around in the game. He's been – I mean, he was in the UFC all the way back in 2010. But he's really made his name in Bellator, dude, as a guy that's been willing to take on anybody, fight his way up the ranks, and now he's got that title fight. He has the most submission wins in Bellator middleweight history. He has his, uh, his big chance to fight for the title. Do you think John Salter pulls off the upset on Friday night? I don't think so, man. Gegard is just too fucking experienced. He's too good. I mean, when you talk about the best middleweights in the world right now, I mean, he has to be up there, right? Regardless of being in the UFC or not at the moment. And granted, if he was in the UFC, who knows how his career would be going? Who knows how, how stuff would be going? But, dude, this man's been competing since he was 18. I mean, he at a young age, he knew he's like, you know something? I, I don't want, like, a regular job. Like, I'm going to fight, you know? I'm going to have fun, <laughs> and I'm going to fight. Like, it's just not going to happen. I mean, this man's been cage warriors bodog m1 dream i mean he's strike force uh you know ufc bellator you know all, all of these promotions and and he's reached the highest level at all of them and and you know the guys he's lost to and the guys he's beat i mean he beat uh jockery when he was young dude he beat jockery at a young age back in 2008 he beat jockery he hit him with an up kick that was in dream mm-hmm. that was in dream uh, middleweight grand prix back in 2008 he fucking he had an exhibition bout with Fedor. Obviously, he got armbar, but hey, man, he still had an exhibition. <laughs> this is just to give you an idea of of how fucking amazing this guy's career has been, you know. And he has plenty of good wins. He's fought at mul- he's fought all the way up at heavyweight, probably super fucking heavyweight back in the day when, you know, he was fighting in Valley to the Rules and uh, weighing in probably like well below a heavyweight weight. I mean, this is a, a well accomplished guy. I mean, it's it's hard to believe that. You know, John Salter's good. He has a lot of good things. But Gegard has, is one of those guys who will always come out, and f- I feel like he can dictate a fight. If he starts dictating a fight, oh, it's over. If he dictates mm-hmm. the fight, it's over, you know? There's obviously times where guys, you know, have you know they, they start taking over, they start winning rounds, and they start coming on. But I think when, when Gegard fights and he, and he gets in his rhythm for the other guy, it's almost impossible to beat him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's – I mean, you saw that – I'd say best in his last fight against Douglas Lima, dude. He completely, from start to end, he completely controlled that fight. Um, and I think that's going to be the case here, man. John Salter, I like the guy. He's been around in the game a long time. He's evolved a lot. Um, and I give him full credit for that. But at the end of the day, dude, like you mentioned, I think Gagard is too experienced. I think he has more ways to win. I think he's going to pull it off and retain the belt. Um, moving on down the card, I did mention a few minutes ago, Andre Korshkov's of Ahomasi, dude. Violence potential off the fucking radar, off the charts, my guy. Oh yeah. Um, this fight, dude. I I've always been super high on Andre Korshkov. Uh, yes, he did have a couple of losses to Lima, um, but ever since he beat Benson Henderson, I've like, I've thought like, damn, this this kid, man, this guy's got something. He's got it. Um, he's still only 30 years old. We'll see what happens, but he's obviously making his belt overturn. He's not fought for them since 2019. How do you see this fight going? Someone's getting fucking knocked out, dude. That's what I fucking know. <laughs> Someone's getting knocked the fight. It has to end in a finish. If it doesn't end in a finish, I'll be disappointed, Josh. I'll be disappointed in myself. <laughs> I'll be shocked. I'll be shocked. Yeah. I mean, th- these guys come out and bang. I mean, we saw the Sabah Hamasi fight, dude, against uh, Paul Daly. You saw how that started the first round. The only issue is... And for Sabah coming into this fight is if he fucking blows his water early, right? And then Korshkov just comes onto him and just kind of overpowers him. I think if that end, if he doesn't take it all out early, I think he should be fine. For and he has a good chance of winning. I still favor Korshkov regardless, mm-hmm. but 
I mean, I think the big thing for him is is obviously having controlled chaos and not letting it all out in the first round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and look, shout out to Sabah Almas kind of making like making a nice name for himself in Bellator, dude. I mean, he's only ranked number ten, but it's easy to forget. Like, this is a guy that in the UFC got murked three times in a row. Like, he he, he was just a guy got in got straight nuked out of there by Tim Means and Abdulhazak Al Hassan twice. He signs with Bellator, doesn't make much of a spash you know he's fighting on up prelims oh shit he just beat curtis miller oh shit he knocked out bobby volker oh shit he's had a fight of the night fight of the year contender against paul daler dude like that he's made his way up and now he's fighting at a huge fight in the co-main i don't like the matchup for him i think korshkov i think he's way too technical to let this fight get out of hand so i haven't said korshkov dude but sabaho masi has power in his hands it's possible it can go the other way As far as it goes, man, what are some of the other fights you want to go and highlight on the prelims? I mean, we just got to go down one, Josh. I mean, arguably a fight that a lot of people think should be the main event, Magomed Magomed versus Rufin Stotts. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Magomed Magomed, the other, the only man to legitimately beat Piotr Jan mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a sanctioned fight. You know, I don't know if he's ever lost on the streets. Because <laughs> apparently we're counting those now. <laughs> But I, mean, I guess so. But yeah, I mean, he's the only man who would beat Peter Jan, and he's taking on Rufon Stotts, former two-time NCAA champion as a wrestler, ranked number four, 16 and one, undefeated in Belter, only lost in his entire career was to Marab Bilashili. That is, he's a he's just a bad man right here. So it was a freak. It was a freak finish. to spinning back fist first yeah. round, 15 seconds in. I mean, crazy. Or 15 yeah, seconds I, in. It's not happening again. So, um, this is this is a banger of a fight right here. I mean, like you mentioned, this this should honestly, if we're being honest, this should probably be like the co-main or something along those lines. Um, but even moving on down the card, dude, this is one of those like low-key stacked Bellator cards. Is that what he was talking about them with Pitbull and McKee? This one was up next. Oh yeah, people know Gegard. You know who you should need to watch on this one? Davion Franklin, man. Davion Franklin. I followed this kid's entire career. He's very i mean you should you should go just watch a highlight whenever you have the chance dude. he's taking on 15 and 0 everett cummings it's a battle of undefeated prospects but davion friendly dude he's a dude i'm gonna highlight he's been training with uh jackson winklejohn for like the last five years he's an amazing athlete he's 6'3 has an 80 inch reach 265 pure muscle and he moves like a damn featherweight this dude is incredible i'm very excited to see him fight on this card uh and obviously like i mentioned everett cummings his opponent 15 and 0 um 15 0 and he does have a no contest in there not exactly huge for the weight class but still he's he's been pulling off dubs for a reason dude this is going to be an excellent fight but um and the last one to shout out my girl pam Sorensen. Former Invicta champ. I got I got always shout out the Invicta girls, bro. You know me. Um, shout she out. last she last fought in 2019, beat Caitlin Young, uh, who's actually now with PFL, funnily enough. Um, and she vacated the um, Invicta FC featherweight title, and now she's signed to Bellator. So should be interesting. But into a man, is there anything else you want to touch on either the PFL or the Bellator card before we move on? No, I think we did a pretty good job about at least the main fights to look forward to the people to watch out for. I mean, I think for what they are, I mean, they they, they have their things to look forward to. Obviously, I think the Bellator card is uh, obviously better than the PFL card. Obviously, no disrespect to the PFL. But, uh, I mean, maybe their main event is arguably a little—I mean, it could compete, right? But uh, uh, outside of that, I mean, you know, know, there's MMA still this week, and there's stuff to look forward to, and then— you know, next week there's going to be a lot of MMA as well, so keep an eye out for that. For sure, and that's going to be fun. And dude, next week it's a big week. Obviously, we got Jared Cannonier is going to be fighting. Manny Pacquiao is going to be fighting. CM Punk's returning. It's a whole lot of stuff to talk. Come about on, Josh, week. you're not going to talk about Kayla Harrison fighting. Oh, uh, Chuck Congo returning. <laughs> Chuck, I, I, you know what? I did legitimately forget Chuck Congo was fighting, and he's been fighting in Karatanov. Uh huh. I love me some Sergey Karatana, bro. I love me some Sergey Karatana. But yeah, that like you mentioned, MMA heavy focus week next week. Oh, yeah. um, it's been we, we've been having these shows where like it's been very MMA centric for a while, which is good. Um, I think 
which I don't want to I don't want to officially announce anything. But one of these weeks soon, guys, we're going to do an NBA free agency uh, special. Something along those lines, like we did two years ago, um, two or three years ago at this point. And then also, I think we may have incited some NFL talk because that's right right around whenever that'll be starting as well. So. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so it's going to be some MMA heavy weeks, guys. I'm sure you can, I'm sure you can fucking stick in there um, because – if you don't like MMA at this point, why are you watching the show? Um, but before we move on to just uh, some couple of actual fight announcements to close out the show, I do talk to you guys about a sponsor of the show, Dopey. Uh, Dopey has been serving up nostalgia, and it burst onto the de- dessert scene in 2017, and it served more than 250,000 cookie dough lovers. Get 10% off your order by using the code SOUNDOFF at checkout. Buy yourself something. Treat yourself. You can eat it. Just frozen or you can go ahead and bake it at 350 dopey amazing sponsor of the show as always um so shout out them angel my guy uh fight announcements time now i figured we can kind of do this in the same way that we had done a couple of months ago whenever we had fight announcements we which kind of rake them on our excitement level one to ten how that sound mm-hmm. all right so first up man this one just announced actually literally like Literally, within the last day or two. A very short-notice fight, but at the end of the day, Manny Pac-Man Pacquiao, originally set for Errol Spence, uh, instead will be taking on Jordanis Ugas, uh, billed as the show must go on. Hmm. Um, Obviously, Pacquiao and Spence are set to have the fight of the summer, probably the fight of the year. Um, Such a crossroads fight between, you know, the pound-for-pound best right now and one of the pound-for-pound best of all time. That will have to wait. Uh, in steps Ugas, who former bronze medalist in the Olympics, uh, current champion. Um, but at the end of the day, he's still not. He people aren't looking forward to this one the same way they were looking to the, forward to the Spence fight. But regardless of that, Angel, are you still looking forward to seeing this fight on the 21st? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's still a good opponent. It's, he's a talented guy. Uh, his record is good. He's fought some of the some good guys. Obviously, he had his loss against Sharm Porter, which is back in 2019. It's been a while. And he's an active guy, you know. He fought twice in 2020, even through COVID. Uh, he fought at the start of the year, at the end of the year. So shout out to him for obviously still wanting to be uh, active. And uh, I think this should be a good fight for Manny. I think it's a tough fight, too. I think it's a guy who can, uh, who at this point in Manny's you know career and, and at the age he's at, and uh, at the age they're both that. Because uh, obviously he's, you know, he's not old. He's 35. I mean, he's still in, he's in those good years still, but he's it's it's you know near the end, and maybe his eyes are in mm. some eyes of some spectators. And uh, obviously, man, we, we're well aware of the what the uh, the Cuban uh, boxing uh, level is, right? And the kind of guys they they put out throughout the years. And I think this could be a good good match. I think it's something we should check out. I think it could surprise us. I think it might mm. actually surprise us. Obviously, it's not what we wanted. But I think it will surprise us in the fact that it could be a great match. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I actually, I won't be surprised at all. I think that – I think depending on which version of Manny shows up and which version of Ugas shows up, this could be this – this fight has high upset potential. Uh, Ugas, I think his record is deceiving in the way that you look at him at 26 wins, four losses. You know, he lost to Amir Aham. He lost to Sean Porter. He lost to a couple guys on Wikipedia pages. I think it's pretty fucking deceiving. Um, he's – uh, and actually, if you watch that Sean Porter fight, and I encourage most people to actually do so, um, I thought it clearly won that. I gave him eight rounds to four. That was on the undercard of Manny versus Keith Thurman. Um, I thought he clearly won that fight, and that's his only loss in his last 11 fights, I believe. Um, and he has some nice wins during that stretch, too. And depending on which version of Manny shows up, you know, this is a guy that is 42, Um He's not fought in two and a half years, and whenever you're that age, the ring rust comes on fast, man. So I like this fight a lot. Just if I had to rank it one to ten, I'm going to rank it a seven. Now, part of the only reason I'm ranking it a seven, because I just said a lot of good stuff, right? I'm ranking it a seven mainly in comparison to what we could have had. We were so close to having Errol against Manny. But regardless of goes, man, I still like this card a lot, actually. Um, Even just... Moving on down, I mean, Victor Ortiz, Robert Guerrero, that's that's an old school fight, dude. I had no idea Victor Ortiz was still around. Um, and same thing for Robert Guerrero, but regardless, dude, and Julio Cejas on the undercard, going to be a very, very fun pay-per-view. I'm glad that they were able to find a replacement, so we'll see what happens. But Angel, my guy, 
there's no other bigger like boxing match to talk about whenever because we're doing some of these boxing, some of these MMA. There's no better boxing match than a boxing match between two MMA fighters. Mm-hmm. Anderson, the Spider Silva, fresh off his dominated win over Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. back in June. Turn right back around, man. And in one month's time, he will be fighting Tito Ortiz at a 195-pound catch weight, about eight rounds, three-minute rounds. Um, look, I mean, what is your this this is this is bottom of the barrel, right? Like this is not in terms of like because um, you think Anderson could box, right? And I, Tito, for his for how old he is. He's still better than a lot of his peers. But in terms of strange fights, this is like about as weird as it gets, right? Yeah. Matchup-wise, yeah. But hey, man, and, you know, really, and it's no disrespect. I mean, they could have put some other guys from back in the day who would have been on the feet a a better matchup for Anderson, right? Or, or another guys who could have been, uh, you know, more dangerous. I mean, they could have, I mean, even Vitor, you know? I know we're going to get mm-hmm. into this. But even Vitor would have made more sense. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and look, I'm surprised that they're – I mean, I'm still surprised they're doing Oscar versus Vitor because Vitor has a massive size difference. But, yeah, I mean, Vitor actually has experience in boxing, so I'm surprised they didn't run that one. It's never getting Tito who – I mean, Tito – I'm not sure if he's still been training because he's been doing – he was like the mayor of Huntington Beach for like six months or something. Like, uh, Tito is – he's fucking out there, bro. But I'm 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 oddly excited for this one. If But if you had to put like a number on it, like what is your excitement level for this fight? I'd say like a six and a half, six, six and a half. Yeah, that's fair. I'm I'm going to go same thing. I'll actually, I'm going to put it at a seven just because of the morbid curiosity. Um, This fight is like one that like, if you, if you would have told me like 10 years ago, this would happen. I'm like, like it doesn't, it, it does not make any sense. It's super mind bog, especially considering Anderson just beat Julius Savage Jr. And as much as we like to shit on him and deservedly so, Clear Steve Chavez Jr. Like he, like he just, he's still a good, relatively boxer. You know what I mean? Like he's still relatively good. Mm-hmm. Like he just fought Daniel Jacobs in December of 2019. Like he's, he's still like a relatively good guy. Anderson told him, and now Anderson's fighting a guy that's not even by MMA terms a good striker. But regardless, curiosity factor, I'm gonna have to put it like a six and a half, a seven. Pure curiosity though. Uh, David Hay. Well, let me go ahead and rephrase this. On the undercard, joining alongside Silva Ortiz and then as well as Oscar De La Hoya and Vitor Belfort looking to make this trailer fight card the worst first thing to happen on September 11th. Uh, David Hay oh versus Joe Fournier. Eight rounds, three-minute rounds at heavyweight, bro. Uh, what do you think about this one, man? Uh, unexpected, weird. Did not ever assume those guys would ever be on the same anything together if i'm being quite honest mm-hmm. well i mean have you heard the backstory oh there's backstory there's backstory according to david hey he actually put out an explanation because i'm sure i mean i everybody thought it they were like oh shit why the fuck is david hey doing this because david hey like he makes a lot of money via like bbc like bbc sport uh or bt sport excuse me um and he does some commentary stuff and like He's been a part of a, some huge max like matches in the UK. Why is he fighting Joe Fournier? And he was like, "Look, listen, I've been friends with Joe uh, oh, for a long time. And one night we were at dinner and we were talking, and uh, the topic I brought up, how would you do against him? And he was, he was like, I was trying to be a nice guy. Like, it'd probably be a close fight. And Joe was like, No, I'd win. And basically, the gist of it was like, David's like, Yeah, I'm I'm gonna beat his ass for that. <laughs> that's kind that's, of cool. that's basically that's- it. That's kind of cool. That's actually kind of cool. I, I fuck with that energy. Yeah, and if it wasn't for that explanation, I'd be like, oh damn, this fight. Actually, is like a can, I, can you can you can you can you ask me now what I'm gonna give it? What are you gonna give it? I'm gonna give it eight and a half. Really? Yes. I just I do love it from just because of that. Yeah, yeah like, just because like the fact that like David Hay is like, yeah, you know what? I like Joe. Uh, I've known him for a long time, but homie got to learn. <laughs> That's Not literally what there. it is. He's just like he's he's gotta learn, <laughs> which um if it wasn't for that I'd put this fight at one out of ten because David Hay like <laughs> he probably should not have even been cleared to fight the last time that he did. I would I would have said like four or five even if he didn't tell me that story. 
Yeah, I'm going to give it a five just because I think there's there's a real possibility that Joe Fournier wins this, and that depresses me. Really? You think so? Come on, Josh. Do you, you did not watch his David Hayes' last fight, I can tell. Dude, anything could happen to this world? Come on. But, like, dude, he he's taking this fight on one month notice, and David Hay last time out literally had spine issues, and he, he could barely walk in the ring. He might be on TRT or some fucking stem cells now. A lot could happen. I actually, I hope he is on stem cells because, like, I remember it was so hard to watch, and especially because like he had he's had so many injuries over the like the last um the last couple of oh, years. Oh, so he was boxing a guy who's really fucking good too. You know what I mean? Like Tony Ballou, like actually was like I'm pretty sure he, obviously he had to been a champ at some point, right? Oh yeah, he, I mean he was he was uh, I believe he was undefeated up until he fought Usyk. Exactly. See, so it's oh. kind of like yeah. No, well, no, never no, mind. No. He had one loss to Adonis Stevenson. Yeah, no, no, he had another one before that too. But the, but the oh. thing is, there was a quite a significant gap in between his Usyk mm-hmm. loss. Like he, he he had a thirty thirty and three record. I mean, he had a great career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, phenomenal. But so that's why, like, yeah, he. It, I'm not sure how David Hayes getting cleared. Honestly, like he released a statement. I'm just looking at like his Wikipedia right now. He released a statement back in like 2018 announcing his retirement, and he talked about like all the injuries and in rehab, and he had spinal surgery literally like he had spinal surgery before he even fought Tony Ballou. So I, I'm not even sure. Like, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I hope he's in good shape uh, because I would nothing on love more than to just see David Hay go in there and knock this dude's block off. And I actually like Joe Fournier a lot. Like I, I've seen every, he seems like a pretty cool dude. Um, but just, I, I want to have David Hay have one final moment because I feel like the way his career ended was so depressing for like such also, a legend of the game. Also, it's only a 12 round fight. You know, he's not getting ready for a round fight. I mean, yeah, it's an eight round fight. He's not fighting a 12 round fight. I'm trying to say. Yeah. And he's also fighting a guy that like, I mean, full, full props to Joe Fournier, uh, but he's had one fight in the last five years and it was against Raycon. Yeah. And I love, you know I me. Mean? I, I, I love Raycon. I love the reggaeton, but I'm not, I'm not a, uh. I'm not sure about his boxing credentials. Like it's just exactly. But this was saying, know. Josh. Like regardless, even if even with the like, I still feel like you know, I feel pretty confident about this. And this would be a, a his first eight round fight. He's only fought a, a max of a. Well, he did have an eight one, but it only went to the, it only went to the second. But mm. still, you know what I mean. Yeah, and I'll give, I mean, in all fairness as well, uh, David Hayes is going to be a lot bigger in there. They're fighting at heavyweight, too. This is not some... Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I think, I don't, I don't remember what weight class Joe fought at last time. Um, I want to say it was Cruiser, though. I mean, I don't remember entirely. Uh, but David Hayes is a straight-up heavyweight, bro. Like, he's, I mean, even, I mean, obviously, he was on the smaller end of things. But whenever he packed on muscle, he, he, was, a, he was a big dude. He, he's 6'3", 78-inch reach. Also, he's looking uh, good in the gym. Like I saw some pictures, and he looked fucking. He, he looked. He looked fucking. Uh, he looked juicy, dude. <laughs> it's scary. Really? Have you not seen his Instagram lately? No. Take a look, dude. He he might be on the fucking supplements, my guy. He looks. I, he looks in great fucking shape. It looks like he's young. He looks like it was. It looks like his prime days. Like if you look at him, he looks in great fucking shape. Well, I hope so, man. Like I said, I mean, I talked to you about this before we actually started recording. I'm a massive David Hay fan. Like, in terms of, like, guys that got me into boxing, he's a weird one. Because everybody has, like, their one. They're like, oh, Tyson or Floyd or so on and so forth. David Hay beating Valuev was one of the first times I watched boxing. So, um, you know, I'm a big fan of the guy. And then also him, what is uh, his fight against Chisaroa? Like, whenever he fucking, he, like, smacked, like, a glass, like, a, uh, what was it, like, a glass over his head. And Chisora, like, he fucking glassed me. He glassed me. Like, just, like, the funniest press conference moment of all time. He fucking glassed me. Uh, which is amazing. And, dude, I'm looking at his ear right now. He's juicy, bro. <laughs> it's just, just Exactly. See? That's what I'm telling you. Like, you gotta be, like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm not worried. I feel better now. I feel better now. Exactly. Thank you. He, he got on yeah. them stem cells or whatever, maybe some TRT. You know, fuck it. Who gives a fuck? His his thing on Instagram, he said, this is not a comeback. This is about teaching Joe Forney their levels to the boxing game. One exactly. must stay in their lane or risk getting flattened. Exactly. See, that's why I'm not worried. How much do you think he's getting paid for this? I hope, like, I feel, I hope it's a decent bit for these guys. Because... You know, they they have a name on there, you know? Like, he's a name. Like, you got to. Yeah. Yes. It was weird, though, because they kind of just announced him, like... Is, is this, this, he's going to be on the Tito one, right? Well, yeah, he's 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 the fight before it. 
That's what I'm saying. He's going to be the co-main for that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they should be getting paid decently well. They have to be making, at like, like, above a mil, right? At least, at well, least Joe Fournier made, I just checked it, he made 220000 last fight. So, probably similar this time. That's how much I think they'll pay for him. But, David dude, I'm, I'm legit, like, thinking, like, I'll, I won't buy this card, but I'm definitely going to watch it. I mean, they got Oscar <laughs> and... Belfort, Tito Anderson, David Wait, that's Angel. all going to be on the same card? Yeah. That might actually be worth someone's money. <laughs> not going to lie. I'm not sure if it'll be ours, but it'll be... That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, like, I maybe support that. Like, I didn't know that. I thought they were... I thought uh, oh, two no, of no. They're, they're all on September 11th. Yeah. I thought one of those was separate. Like, wasn't on that card. But oh, no, no man. Anderson, Now that you said... I think that, 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 that... How much is it? How much is usually a, a trailer pay-per-view? I think it's 50, but I'm not sure. Like forty nine ninety nine after tax fifty something. Yeah, that's not terrible. I could live with that. Yeah, but anyway, so yeah, like they have they have Anderson Tito. The, by the way, in terms of like, it's kind of funny the way they position this because it's going to be like a four fight main card. I'm not sure what the fourth fight is. I don't remember. It's between two actual legit UK boxers whose names I can't remember. Probably young guys. Yeah, know. and then they have David Hay for some reason taking on Joe Fournier. By far the most legit fight in the card. That's third. And they have. <laughs> Then they have Tito versus Anderson in the co-main, and then they have Oscar De La Hoya taking on Vitor in the main. It's very, it's it's very strange. But yeah, dude, I I gave I gave that fight specifically a five probably out of ten just because there's a realistic possibility that David Hagen could lose, so I'm gonna have to put it below that. Like Silva Ortiz, I gave like a seven just because, like, it's not gonna be competitive, but I love me. Watching like Anderson do work. Josh, if gonna... David Hay comes out here and fucking finishes Joe Forte in the first round, I'm gonna be really disappointed in the fact that you didn't have any faith in David Hay. I have faith to you an extent. You have faith, but it's just the fact that there's some doubt in you. There is some doubt, dude. I mean, this is a guy that has had so many Josh, injuries. I don't like that so. weak shit out of you, though. Know? <laughs> I would love to see it happen, dude. I want to see David Hay murk this man. And it's crazy to me that we're only a month out from this card. Like, what it's, the fuck? it's coming up. You're right. <laughs> yeah, it's coming up very quick. A little under a month, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. So uh, it's it's coming up quick, man. But uh, as far as the boxing matches, that's all we got for announcements. But Angel, my guy, we got some MMA news. Yes, now, sir. This Holy one. Holy shit! I, I forgot there was more. <laughs> yeah. Technically, I'm not gonna put a date on this, but because these fights very well could be moved, because three of the four fighters have said they do not want to fight in New York, and this is supposed to be in the Madison Square Garden. Oh, yeah, Garden. I forgot about that. Uh, but regardless, still aimed for New York. Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler. And we'll throw this. We'll just throw uh, all these together because they're supposed to be on the same card. Luke Rockhold, Sean Strickland, those two fights have been made official. Angel, my guy, give me your rough breakdown of both of those fights right now. Dude, I mean, Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler, dude, fucking fireworks. I mean, we talked about it when the when they signed Michael Chandler, and obviously we had private talks about it ourselves. I mean, I was like, I mean, they got to make that fight, right? Like, whenever they, whenever Michael Chandler comes into UFC, Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler have to at least fight one time. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's just a banger. Like it was just like, no, no surprise that like, that fight had to happen and it has to happen at some point. And hopefully it does happen at some point this year. I really hope if it's not in New York and Abu Dhabi and Vegas and Florida and Texas, California, I don't give a fuck. I want it somewhere in my backyard. <laughs> Please bring it to me. God damn it. Uh, we do it in Texas probably. You know, whatever it ends up being regardless, I, I, that's, you know, I'm excited for that. Obviously, I think they verbally agreed, just contractually they haven't. I think that's the whole thing right right now. And that, I'm pretty sure that's what a lot of guys have right now. They, they verbally agreed, they just haven't signed the contract, if I believe so. And obviously, there's some stuff going, some, I don't want to get into it. There's some stuff going on there with, <laughs> it could be political, not political. And in some people's eyes, it is, there isn't political. Regardless, though, they're, they're working on it, and hopefully it happens. You, know? you were towing such a line, my friend. You're just, I was. I you're was dancing through a minefield, right? I now, was, bro. but you know, it's just it, it, people feel differently about things. You know what I mean? And I just try to accommodate for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. And then uh, what was the other fight we had on there that we were going to talk about? Uh, Rockhold Strickland. I'd be mean, banger, right? I mean, good, good fight for Rockhold. I think. Obviously, great fight for Sean Strickland. I think uh, finding a guy like Rockhold will get him a lot of attention and. If he isn't uh, interesting when he's on the mic and doesn't make certain comments, I think he could, uh, you know, establish himself as a as a decent name in the division. Obviously, if that card is to happen, it'd be Kamar Usman, Colby Covington, Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler, Sean Strickland, Luke Rockhold. I mean, that's a, you know, 
even though you know disrespect to Sean Strickland, he's like the smallest of those names out of that group. He's in that mix. I mean, that'd be a great fight for him. It, I mean, it's it's the perfect thing. And obviously, in that middleweight division, he's obviously chasing that title. He'd uh, definitely propel himself forward. And obviously, Luke's coming back down to middleweight. Obviously, the light heavyweight experiment didn't work. And uh, good thing, man, because obviously. And, and look, I felt like I don't even know why he considered making the move. And I think at the time, a lot of things were happening. He was distracted and, and things weren't going away because obviously, you know, obviously he had a big Chris Weidman. Then he went out to fight Michael Bisping and lost the first round. And, you know, that that really fucked with him. And then he ended up fighting David Branch, obviously went his way. Then the uh, the Yoel Romero loss, which, you know, that that really fucking sucked for him. And he was scheduled to fight Weidman, but that ended up happening. And then he moves up to to light heavyweight and doesn't and you know now we know Jan Blachowicz you know at the time we didn't know but he, he gets fucking starched by Jan Blachowicz who is now our light heavyweight champion and uh, you know two years later now I mean we find you know a little bit over two years now since he's fought I mean he's here and he finds himself in a fight against Sean Strickland which I think is a very winnable fight for uh, Luke Rockhold I mean if Luke Rockhold is putting in the time he is focused and, and he's ready and he's dedicated his time and he's not distracted. He, I think he should be able to win this fight, you know, and it's not analyzing it or getting into the, the these aspects of it, but I think he's capable of winning the fight. And I also highlighted how Sean, this fight could be really good for him if he ends up winning it. Mm. Yeah, and as far as that goes, man, like I think this is a very Luke Rockhold wanted a good matchup. He wanted a high-ranking guy who also has some name value, and he he's notably talked about like. He said literally about the UFC, like, give me somebody interesting or just fucking release me, he said recently. Um, and they gave him somebody interesting, dude. They're giving him a guy that's going in hot, um, causing a lot of issues for the UFC's PR team, saying a lot of crazy shit. And it's going to be one of the top fights on a hypothetical Madison Square Garden card. I say hypothetical because, I mean, there's there's individuals within the UFC who there's there's personal matters and uh something about something about vaccines i i don't know what's going on there i'm i'm just a dumb journalist all right um but jokes aside if and when this fight happens it's about as good of a fight you can have in the middleweight division uh it's very very interesting stylistically because luke rockle dude he's very i have no idea what to expect from him honestly like i legitimately have no clue i mean like you mentioned like last time we saw him fight was against Jan. Uh, and that was a fight that at the time we didn't know how good Jan is, and now we clearly know. I mean, Jan's the only guy to beat Izzy, um, and he's beaten loads of other dudes. He's the champ for a reason. Uh, and then obviously he lost to Yoel, but he was winning that Yoel fight. It's easy to forget, dude. I mean, I thought Luke Rockhold looked really, really good against Yoel Romero until he got caught in round three or four um, with that massive overhand left. So it, it, I'm not sure how washed he is. A lot of people like to kind of throw him in the same throw him in the same category as Weidman just because those guys had that title fight and they both had similar careers afterwards. I don't know if that's entirely fair, man. I, I have no idea where Luke Rockhold is. Um, but we'll see what happens, man. As far as the show goes, as far as any one of those fights, so is there anything else you want to go ahead and talk about before we close out? No, nothing, man. Nothing in particular. I mean, obviously, I'm really excited to come back next week once kind of, uh, you know, the UFC returns and obviously uh, our, and it's going to be a stacked week of MMA. So I'm just really looking forward to the next podcast. For sure, man. And I hope you guys are also looking forward to the next podcast. We're moving up the chart ranks. Be sure to give us a review on Apple. We appreciate it. We only have three or four of those. They're all five stars, so I can't bitch about it. But um, <laughs> feel, feel free to give us a review on there. We'd very much appreciate it. Uh, make sure you're followed on Twitter at Quartzite Sound one I'm at Josh Shivanov. He's at AngelTrigo underscore one one Thanks for supporting the sponsors as always, Rogue Energy and Dopey. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Peace and butt grease. Mouse click.